The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. If you slept on how China has consolidated world power through proxy coups like Myanmar, the installation of friendly world leaders like Lunch Bucket Joe, and pandemic panic overreactions, then you will be the first to be the slave in the lithium mines or you'll be stuck sweating it out on the solar panel assembly lines. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. So China has really been the one country to benefit from the entire pandemic lockdown. They've also taken liberties on Hong Kong's elections, Hong Kong, the protests that were happening there, the coup in Myanmar or Burma, whichever one you want to go by. They have actually made out like bandits. Their economy, although it's uh, teetering in other areas, is slated to be setting them up to be a world leader by 2028. Hmm, That's not too far from Agenda 2030, is it? (laughs) And, you know, what happened in Alaska with uh, (laughs) with Anthony Blinken is really amazing. Because it it tells a lot of things. First, this is a meeting that happened between Anthony Blinken, I think he's Secretary of State, Biden's Secretary of State, uh, and, yeah, he's Secretary of State, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Uh, This meeting was also with Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and Yang Jiechi, Director of Central Foreign Affairs Commissions of the Chinese Communist Party. Listen to this back and forth. And then I'm going to go into a more in-depth article from CNBC. We'll also discuss our deep concerns with actions by China, including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. Uh, Well, you can't blame this problem on somebody else. I have to tell you, what I'm hearing is very different from what you described. Uh, I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're re-engaged with our allies and partners. I'm also hearing deep concern about some of the actions your government is taking. Well, I... I think we thought too well of the United States. We thought that the U.S. side will follow the necessary diplomatic protocols. So for China, it was necessary that we make our position clear. So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. Yeah. Let's let's check out this uh, article from CNBC. The first high-level gathering of U.S. and Chinese officials under President Joe Biden kicked off 
with an exchange of insults at a pre-meeting press event in Alaska, a planned four-minute photo session for the officials to address reporters ended up lasting one hour and 15 minutes due to a frothy exchange, according to NBC News. Both the Chinese and U.S. kept calling reporters back into the room so that they can add to the remarks. Expectations were already low for the meeting in Anchorage, Alaska, with U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. There was some chick with purple hair. I don't know who that was, but that was odd. Um, along with the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and Yang Jeki, the Director of Central Foreign Affairs Commission of the Chinese Communist Party. In his open remarks, Blinken said to the US, uh, that the U.S. would discuss its deep concerns with actions by China, including Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the U.S., economic coercion towards our allies. Yeah, that is all happening. Quote, each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. See, I think that line right there is key. The rules-based order that maintains global stability. That's that little handshake that we think, you know, our elites think that we've made because they go, well, you know, even though China owns all of our debt, we still have the world's currency. They need to listen to us. And so we have this gentleman's agreement with China, with our, our global, I mean, with our world elites, our American elites. And China's like, nah, that's a power play so that we can take power over you. You fell for it. And China's actually flexing their muscles here as though that's the case. Going back to the statement, that's why they're not merely internal matters and why we feel an obligation to raise these issues here today, Blinken said. I said that the United States relationship with China would be competitive where it should be, collaborative where it can be, adversarial where it must be. Now, remember, Anthony Blinken was deputy secretary of state under Obama. He was all in on the Iranian pallets of cash under the Obama administration. So seeing people surprised that Anthony Blinken was being wined and dined by Chinese, uh, the Chinese, he's a State Department hack. He was a State Department hack under Clinton and Bush and was the Deputy Secretary of State under Obama. He tweeted out, I remember how delicious the Sundubu Jenge tasted back in 2016 on my last trip to Seoul. I'm so glad I was able to enjoy it again during this visit. Yeah. How does it taste now, Mr. Blinken, that you're being, you're being curb-stomped by China in the Foreign Policy Department? Going back to the article, Beijing considers issues like Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and Taiwan as part of its domestic affairs, and the officials reiterated that the meeting, uh, at the meeting that China is firmly opposed to foreign interference. Wang Ying, or no, actually this is Ying Jetki, said that the U.S. carefully orchestrated the dialogue according to an official translation by NBC. I think we thought too well of the United States. We thought that the U.S. side would follow the necessary diplomatic protocols. Yang said, adding that the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. <laughs> Yang also said that the U.S. must deal with the Chinese side in the right way and reiterated Beijing's call for cooperation. Under President China, uh, President, or Chinese President Jinping, the Chinese government has been consolidating its power at home and abroad. <laughs> We've been saying that here on the show for quite some time. He'd been consolidating power left and right. You'd have to be an idiot not to have recognized that. 
Chinese authorities have also emphasized their success in quickly controlling the coronavirus pandemic domestically and their claim of lifting all 1.4 billion people in the country out of poverty, both of which Yang pointed to in his meeting with U.S. officials. <laughs> Seriously unbelievable. These people, yeah, how did they lift them out of poverty? I don't know. Uh, maybe with their kind of pseudo-capitalism, their Chinese capitalism where it's state-run and the companies who do operate in China have to give up ownership or a portion of their ownership to the Chinese communist government, to which at that point, the Chinese government makes all the shots. I mean, they call all the shots on it. How you have to understand how the Chinese economy operates and how that's what the world elites want from their great reset at the UN United Nations of Davos. That's what they want for the world. They want the stakeholder capitalism. It's not capitalism by any means. But what they're hoping is that you think it's capitalism because you go, oh, look at these businesses thriving and operating. Uh, they're not. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. But so, yeah, Team Biden's arrogance in believing that they were far more superior than China after China just sat there playing the global chess game that they have beaten everyone with over, for over a year is stunning to see. And we're finding out now that Team Biden were pawns in the game. Although we knew that because Joe Biden's family was bought by China. Hunter Biden, who was the oil tie or the energy tycoon from Ukraine, <laughs> who was doing meth off of hookers' asses, and his laptop's got him banging underage chicks, and he's leaving meth on the on the dashboard of a rental vehicle. He's kicked out of the Navy over it. Suddenly he gets a gig in Ukraine as an energy guy, a CEO getting 50,000 a month. And then he does these deals with China and China and the Biden family, Jill Biden, Joe Biden, uh, his brother, they all benefited to where they all alluded to Joe Biden as the big guy. So is there any surprise that China said, crap, Donald Trump has been kicking our ass. He's been redoing trade deals. Uh, he's been bolstering other countries that don't, uh, don't agree with us, doing deals with India over China. We have to get this guy out and install the guy who owes us favors. And that'd be Joe Biden and his family and the deep state because the deep state wants to push for a global union. And so that's where we run into issues like what's happening in North Korea What's interesting is to understand, and I'm coming to the realization that what's happening with North Korea and what's happening with Russia isn't so much that back when President Trump was in office that he was colluding with them. I'm starting to think that President Trump said, hey, look, you want your country to be great? You want to make your country great again? Well, then here's how we can do it. Not because he's trying to help them, but, but he was trying to instill sovereignty, instill sovereignty for America and America's greatness, instill sovereignty for Kim Jong-un and his sister to impose on its country for, la for better or for worse, for Vladimir Putin to do whatever he wants. They all don't want to lose their power grab. They don't want to lose their seat of power to a global union. So, of course, they would be happy with a Trump presidency, not because Trump is helping them out, but because Trump is helping out any country that values its own nation, 
like Brazil, like Hungary, like Poland under that mindset. And Joe Biden being installed by the Chinese takes all that away. Now it's all a global push. And we run into things like what happened with North Korea. The Biden administration says it's been trying to contact North Korean government since February, but has yet to receive a response to which the Washington Examiner followed up with. Kim Jong-un's sister sends a warning to U.S. officials as diplomats struggle open lines of communication with the North Korean officials. And this is actually another Washington Times piece. I mean, because really think about it. Are you down for the rich man's blueprint of the global playground of serfs that we'll all be in? I mean, the fact that your national sovereignty will be decimated? Are you down for that? I know Bashar al-Assad in Syria is not. (laughs) So Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin, who was also another big guy in the Iran deal, to North Korea, the U.S. is ready to fight tonight. Secretary Lloyd Austin warned that American forces were ready to fight tonight in response to North Korea, slamming drills resuming between U.S. and South Korea. The U.S. and South Korean forces have resumed military drills after pausing the exercises more than a year ago over the coronavirus concerns. Quote, our force remains ready to fight tonight, and we continue to make progress towards the eventual transition of wartime operational control to a Republic of Korea commanded future command Forces Command, or Combined Forces Command, Austin said. While meeting all the conditions for this transition will take more time, I'm confident that this process will strengthen our alliance, Defense Secretary continued. Austin and the Secretary of Defense, or actually Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, arrived in Japan for a four-day trip aimed at reiterating America's commitment to allies in the region. Washington-led diplomacy efforts focused on denuclearizing North Korea have remained stalled over sanctioned disputes Experts are weighing a potential compromise that would freeze the dictatorship's nuclear activities in exchange for relaxing sanctions. We are committed to denuclearization of North Korea, reducing the broader threat of the DPRK poses to the United States and our allies and improving the lives of all Koreans, including the people of North Korea who continue to suffer widespread and systemic abuses at the hands of the repressive government. See, all this sounds great on paper. We're like, yeah, North Korea's... They're oppressing their people. They're, you know, nuking their... Actually, what happened with their Secretary of Defense years ago? Fell asleep in the middle of a briefing by Kim Jong-un, so he executed him by putting him out in the middle of a field and blowing him up with an RPG. All of that gets looked at as North Korea's the villain, which, yeah, they are. But at the same time, I we can't look at it from a black and white binary choice perspective here we have to look at it from the fact that our government was installed with a government that doesn't care for us as citizens and so when they decide they're going to do foreign policy their foreign policy isn't for the citizenry they don't represent the citizenry of the united states in foreign policy they represent their own interest and we're just here in the country watching them do whatever so when they're going to talk about fighting north korea when trump was actually making headway with north korea it's Seems to me that Trump basically was telling Kim Jong-un and them, hey, you can do what you want to do for your country and do that all you want. We'll make the world better if we all take care of our own, whereas the Biden administration is looking to overstep those boundaries to put Kim Jong-un and his nation in a position to ceding their 
government over to the global union. That's the only way that it makes sense to me. I mean, and especially when we get into some of the aspects of what's going on, more details on the Chinese delegation meeting with uh, Senator or Secretary Blinken uh, from a, eye, a bird's eye view perspective, but also what's happening with Myanmar, what's happening with Taiwan, what's happening with Japan and India as it relates to China. These things are pretty important because it's showing how China was conducting the coup in Myanmar or supporting it. China eliminated the protest in Hong Kong, and then got into their election process. All of this from the, from the wet market with the bat soup that shut down the entire world, made Israel go into shutdowns three times over, made Italy go into shutdowns four or five times over, shut down the American economy for almost a year. This is all part of the Great Reset. China has a big hand in it. The United Nations has a big hand in it. The global elites, BlackRock Financial, has a big hand in it. Soros, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, they all have a big hand in it. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. So the media tried to say that, yeah, that was a frosty meeting. Like, you know, it's like the Wendy's Frosty. It was kind of, you know, chilly. Might have gotten you a little bit of brain freeze, but I mean, it's okay. Never mind the fact that China spanked us on the world stage. So Jennifer Jacobs, she is a senior White House reporter for Bloomberg. She was at the meeting and said, at the meeting, the Chinese delegation in Alaska, Secretary Blinken says U.S. intends to discuss cyber attacks. Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Blinken criticizes China for taking some actions that, quote, threaten the rule-based order that maintains global stability. We do not sink conflict, Biden National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tells the Chinese delegation, but we welcome stiff competition. The U.S. and China bear great responsibility in the world's sta- stability and peace. Yang Jeki, a top Chinese diplomat, tells Jake Sullivan and Secretary Blinken, He says U.S. has American-style democracy. Chinese has its own style of democracy. Remember that whenever you hear the left say, we need to uphold democracy, where they want to get rid of the Electoral College for democracy, where you can't support somebody who wants America first because it threatens democracy, because they want a Chinese-style democracy. Back to the article. But both share interest in climate. Yeah, I'm sure the Chinese share a big interest in climate change, walking around in a pea soup fog with masks on all the time, not because of coronavirus, because they were partying down New Year's Eve in Wuhan with raves, no distancing whatsoever. Um, They also are interested in economic recovery. The Chinese delegation lectured Blinken and Sullivan. Top Chinese diplomat Yang Jeki said that the U.S. has deeply rooted human rights problems This coming from China? This coming from the Uyghur uh, internment camps? The genocide of the Uyghur Muslims in China? Putting them in camps, making them build solar panels, forced sterilization? Yeah, uh, even organ transplant? But the U.S. has deeply rooted human rights problems. A long history of killing blacks, no. See, this is where Chinese propaganda has perpetuated itself. Ask Aaron Rupar from, I think he's from Vox, with a V, V-O-X, who got out there after this whole incident that happened with the Asian 
massage parlors. It was really interesting to watch this because I detailed it out on my Twitter feed as it happened in real time to where basically, and I'll go through this real quick because I want to get back to what's going on with uh, China, but it came out that in Atlanta, in area spa shootings, multiple spa shootings, seven were dead, three crime scenes, gunmen at large, motive unknown, all victims believed to be Asian. To which I said, funny how we created Al-Qaeda, which was Afghanistan in 79, and ISIS, and that's all blame for aggression against Muslims. And now, after the virus is unleashed, we have to blame Asians. And Asian violence is a stemming from that. Anti-Asian violence must end, says ex-president Obama after area shootings. So then we find out, well, can't be QAnon white supremacy because the guy had a sex addiction. He had a fetish for Asian women, had a thing for them, had a sex addiction. But oh no, NBC, HBO journalists have to spin it as racism. And Brian Stelter amplified this. He's from CNN, Tater. He put out that little tweet, said hypersexualization, fetization, and racism often go hand in hand. I hope people pay attention to this as the story unfolds. And then it goes through to where uh, it suddenly became Asian hate crimes to the point where it said Vox actually put out an article about could blacks and Asians be getting together in an alliance against racism? Oh, yeah, that happened until the Teen Vogue editor from Axios, the lady that was hired, the, the black female that was hired to take over the editorial responsibilities with Teen Vogue. Suddenly a tweet came out from her and she got canceled from the job before she got it. And apparently it was because she made some reference to uh, Asian eyes or some sort of Asian slanted slur back when she was a teenager. She's 31 now, but yeah, that was the reason. So uh, for her to get canned before she even started. Oh, come to find out the girl who laid the claims out she also put out a tweet about the N-word. So uh, basically, it sounds to me like it was a mean girls club where this person didn't like the new newbie coming in to run the show, so she found some old tweets. Come to find out, both of them were at fault. The most egregious part of the entire Asian hate violence issue is because <laughs> they're trying to say that it was because of Donald Trump calling it the Chinese Wuhan virus. That's what we called viruses. We called it, you know, the West Nile virus. That's because it's from West Nile. Coronavirus is from Wuhan. But listen to Jen Psaki uh, and some of these other individuals in the media try to pin it on Trump because of the fact that it's the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus. To broaden it out, why does the president think attacks on Asian Americans are increasing in this country? Why does he think that's happening? Well, uh, he, he wanted to be very clear because there's an ongoing FBI investigation, right? And he didn't want to attribute motive. There are law enforcement authorities who do that. Um, and it's important to note when, uh, when, the, uh, when the investigation is concluded or not. So that was a, a bar he was attempt working to respect there. Um, you know, I, I think there's no question that uh, some of the damaging rhetoric uh, that we saw uh, during the prior administration, uh, blaming, uh, you know, calling COVID, uh, you know, the Wuhan virus or other things, um, led to, um, you know, um, perceptions of the Asian American community that are inaccurate, unfair, uh, have uh, raised, um, 
you know, threatening, uh, have, has elevated threats against uh, Asian Americans. And we're seeing that uh, around the country. That's why even before the events of, horrific events of last night, he felt it was important to raise this issue, elevate it during his first primetime address, why he signed the executive order uh, earlier in his presidency. And he will continue to look. Well, from where I sit, I want to see a deeper investigation into whether or not these shootings and other similar crimes are racially motivated. It looks racially motivated to me, uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a police officer. I'm not investigating the crimes. What I have done, though, is I have actually sent a letter to Director Ray and to um, Attorney General Garland asking for a deeper investigation into crimes that involve Asian Americans to see how many crimes have actually been underreported as hate crimes. We know that crimes against Asian Americans that have been categorized as hate crimes have increased by over 150% in our nation's major cities. That's over 3,800 additional crimes last year. But we also know that many of these crimes go underreported as hate crimes and are just classified as a mugging or harassment mm -hmm. or vandalism when they, really they were targeted at Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in particular. So that's a presidential press secretary and also a senator, Tammy Duckworth, basically coming to the conclusion that it's Asian hate crime and never even looking at the fact that the guy had a sexual addiction. And then they want to throw in there, oh, he was an evangelical too, and his church just disowned him after that, which that's still unfounded. We really don't know. But it sounds to me like it wasn't motivated on racism but it was on sexual fetishes. It's crazy. But this is supposedly what is going on with Asian violence, and the Chinese are playing right into it by saying, well, we have a history of killing blacks and urges the U.S. to do better on humans, human rights issues. <laughs> the Xi delegation tells Biden delegation that they don't have the qualification to say they speak from a position of strength, as we just played earlier. But remember, this is the same Chinese delegation that represents the the country who is trying to shape Hong Kong. This from Business Insider. China has passed a resolution to control Hong Kong elections and install patriots loyal to Beijing. China has approved a plan to make sure patriots who are friendly to China will run Hong Kong. It comes as Beijing tightens its grip on the country and continues to crack down on dissidents. The state media report said that changes would ensure that the administration of Hong Kong by Hong Kong people with patriots as the main body would be the ones in charge. China has approved the plan to make sure patriots who are friendly to China will run Hong Kong as it tightens its grip on the country and cracks down on dissidents. The National People's Congress on Thursday passed a resolution which will dramatically change Hong Kong's electoral system, allowing Beijing to install favorite candidate or favored candidates and quash opposition forces. A state media report of the draft resolution said that the changes would ensure the administration of Hong Kong by Hong Kong people with patriots as the main body, according to Zenua News Agency, which is a partially state-owned Chinese media outlet. They're all, if they're a Chinese news outlet, they're all state-owned. The measures are designed to reduce the number of opposition lawmakers in Hong Kong and the legislature and increase the number of officials who are friendly to China. Hong Kong's legislative council will be expanded from 70 members to 90 whose members will be elected through elections and the election committee. The changes will also see the introduction of a candidate review qualification committee, which would in effect 
allow Beijing to veto opposition candidates. Now, there's a couple other countries that have issue with what's going on in China. An uncomfortable signal to China, Japan's Suga raises Hong Kong, South China Sea, Xinjiang in a phone call with India's Mahdi. Japanese Prime Minister Yoshidi Suga and India's Nardurna Modi have a phone call based ahead of a quad meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden and Australian leader Scott Morrison. The pair pledged to re, uh, realize a free and open Indo-Pacific as Japan expresses concern over China's attempts to change the status quo in dis, uh, disputed seas. Now, China has been notorious for trying to build these fake islands so that they can have a military presence in controlling the South China Sea. But they're also focused in on what's going on with Hong Kong. And in fact, they're actually trying to change the election uh, process in favor of, th- of their interest. They did this in Myanmar. In Myanmar, they are protecting the junta, supporting them, which are going after the democracy coalition because they want to protect their manufacturing interest in Myanmar. So China basically eliminated Hong Kong of protesters and is now trying to go through and change the election process so that we don't have to worry about that again. Kind of like what's happening in America, right? We're going to go ahead and change the election process after we install a Chinese purchased administration, whether it be Joe Biden, whether it be Mitch McConnell, whether it be Dianne Feinstein, whether it be Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Down the line, Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, China owns everything. They own Disney. They own ABC. They own Hollywood. You can't even have Tom Cruise do a Top Gun sequel with a patch of Taiwan on his clothing. So we are in a cultural war, but we are also in a political war with China. And China knows that if they can own all aspects of American culture, that they can reshape it to fit how it wants to rule the world. Same thing that they're doing in Hong Kong. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast. Get the free Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store. Also, check out the blog, adrianslade.show.com. You can also donate to support Adrian Slade Show at anchor.fm slash adrianslade slash support. We'll see you guys next time.